Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Listen, God is good. Hey, hey, listen. Don't make us go back there. Listen, God is good. You say all the time. God is good all the time. You got to... You got to remind yourself. Listen, if it wasn't an issue for believers to remember, God wouldn't have said, write it down over and 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 over again. Why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't the Bible just be a sentence if we could remember it all? But God wanted to use people and personalities, and God wanted to, 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 to give us stories and illustrations because he knew the humanity in us and, and the temptation for us, come on, listen, to focus on other things. Turn me up just a little bit more. To focus on other things, to get distracted, to get our feelings hurt, come on, to feel lonely and lost. And God, again, would have to remind us. Come on, parents. We have to remind our kids. Listen, we love you. We love you. But we love you, and sometimes that looks like protection. We love you, and sometimes that looks like correction. We love you, but sometimes you, ain't, you can't go. <laughs> well, if you love me, you let me go. Not today. You know what I'm like, like, And so uh, over and over and over again, We've got to communicate simple truths to our children, to our mate. Listen, uh, we, Katie and I have been married 19 years. I, I told her I loved her, and I did all these little I do's. And so why wasn't that enough? It just wasn't. <laughs> you know, like we had to, I had to lean into this, and I have to remind myself, come on, when my schedule gets busy, when hers gets busy, when we get rolling, sometimes we forget the stage moment, and, and we actually need like that moment over and over and over again. Come on. For us, we've got to know that, that God wants our heart, our focus, our attention, our obedience and, and, and if we will come under that, there will be a process of deliverance that will happen in our lives. Okay? In other words, God says, yo, I got a plan. If you run my plan, my plan will work because my word doesn't come back void. But if you a la carte my plan and you try to decide what you want, come on, and you do what you want, then you're breaking the flow in the system so it will not create the way I intended it to create. Come on, does this make sense? And so all of it is not about us trying to learn more about God. It's getting God in us so that we can decrease, He can increase, and He can line, come on, listen, our past. And so we got to remember, we, we don't just do praise music just to do praise. We begin to shift our mouth. We begin to shift our concepts. We begin to give Him highest praise. And we remember His goodness even in moments, come on, where it doesn't feel like it's so good. And that's important. Come on. So let, let me just tell you, listen, uh, let me help you real quick. Online, uh, you can throw in a chat. You can throw an emoji. You can throw whatever. But for us in here, we are a responsive 
church. And so I know, I know what that means. And it's hard because I've I've met with people afterwards, uh, church, and they're like, I love your church, but it's so distracting. And I'm like, really? Why? She's like, people, people just say, that's good and that's right and whatever. And the church that I went to, everybody was quiet and you listened because someone was talking. And in your church, it's like, Everybody's like, that's good. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, what, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? But here's the deal. I am giving what I feel like God has for our body. Do you love it, parents, when you talk to your kids about something you know they need to know and they do this? Are you like, can we respond? <laughs> uh, just like nod your head. Just, just, just go like, I I hear you, Father. I hear you, Mother. And and the truth is that you have to teach that because some people are very come on, some people are external and some people are internal. And so internally they're like going, Wow, but you just can't use just... And and so I get that. There God has made us all different, but when something begins to quicken in you, inspire you, encourage you, even challenge you, that is when you, come on, can go, I agree with that, I identify with that, amen, that's good, clap, amen, okay, so we're going to practice, amen, okay, well, just let's try to get like more than 30%, amen, amen. there you go, come on, now welcome to church, how y'all doing, it's cool, start the band all over, come on, now, now, listen, we want to not let the enemy rob from us and and here's the thing it's not about hearing the truth it's about hearing it and applying it to our lives okay we can hear things and know a lot of things but unless we do the things we know we don't get the pro the production of those things. Well, before we get in, I, I've got a lot on my heart and, and mind, but I just want to say, listen, we had the clean out day yesterday. Thank you, everybody who came. Listen, listen, we showed up and, and knocked it out in four hours. Uh, and there, listen, it was a lot. It was a lot. And we had two, uh, we had three 40 uh, yard dumpsters and we had trailers. And we had mounds and mounds of stuff to do. And, and, and I know what you're thinking. I've had so many people message me or, or meet me even before after service and say, Pastor, I just had so many things planned and I wanted to be there. And I, I, I wanted to be there, but I just couldn't be there. And I'm like, it's okay. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. So, so you can just know as we keep moving forward, uh, we're going to have a few Saturdays that are available for people to come and haul. And you can use all those muscles God gave you. And uh, we're excited about that. Next week, I just want to say this, a uh, little just housekeeping. We have a lot of people in our church who are skilled. Like you, you actually have a skill. And, and it is like demo. It is tools. It is, uh, you know, you're just, you're, cra- you're a crafty person. You're just, you know how to tear things, build things, do things. And so what we're going to do, because everybody's been asking me, Pastor, what do you need? So next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. We are going to end service just a little bit shorter. We're going to make service a little bit shorter. And we're going to do a 10-minute real quick. Here's what we need. Let's talk to all the skilled people. And we're go- we want it to be safe. 
come on, listen, we, we want to make sure we have the right tools. And we have, we're working hard behind the scenes to, to put one, two, three, four. So when people come in, what am I supposed to do? All the number ones. Well, what's next? Number twos. So we're, we're going to get this systemized, but we want to make sure that you know what's going on. We had three demo weeks. We, we actually didn't get the permit that we wanted. So we're hoping that we'll get it by the next one. So the one next weekend we're not doing. Uh, and, and But we are going to have a meeting with all the men and women who are like, hey, I'm, I'm skilled. I want to help. And so just 10 minutes of that meeting, if you guys could stay after, that would be awesome. Next week. Everybody say next week. Okay. We are in our third. Uh, we're in a series, a conversation, if you will, called Never Go Back. Never go back. And we started part one last week, and, and I want to encourage you to go back. If you missed it, go back and, and get it. But we're talking about the story in the Old Testament of the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt, okay? God wanted his people free, and God was wanting to do a new thing. Here for years, generations have grown up under slavery and God said, it is time I am moving my people out of bondage and I'm moving them into a new thing and I want to do something new in their life. And so as we begin to talk about this, um, I think that it's important for you to know in your own life that God always has more for you and there's more growth for you. And, and no matter what happens in life, God always has more okay and so sometimes it's hard for us to see the more because we're stuck in the bad or we're stuck in the unfair or we're stuck in the out of balance but God is trying to usher us move us from glory to glory and God has got listen good things for his people God has always wanted his people free free from the very beginning, God created a wonderful place and everything that man would need, listen, to thrive. But man took it upon himself to try to do it his own way and it destroyed what God had put in play. So then here's what happened. God, from that moment, started a redemption plan to move people from bondage to freedom and God has got good things for you. If you are willing to move, Face uncertainty and live by faith. A lot of people want God to show up. They don't want to move. See, come, come on, help me. They don't want to move out of sin. They, they, they don't want to move out of the argument. They don't want to move out of offense. They don't want to move out of pride. See, God's got wonderful things for them, but unless we move from something that's keeping us oppressed into something that will move us free, listen, can I tell you that it's not a, 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 a wonderful moment. It is an intentional moment of bringing yourself under God's Word and saying, okay, what do you want to change in my life so that I can move forward? we got to be willing to move. If you're going to be willing to move, you have to face uncertainty. What's there, because I know what's here, and I'm kind of comfortable with what's here, even though I don't like what's here, I understand what's here, I don't know what's there, and so if you're taking me there, I need a lot of description first. That's not faith. 
faith is, I'm taking you somewhere, and you need to know my goodness. But see, here's the deal. If we have a culture that doesn't know the word, then we don't know about God's goodness, and we don't know about God's faithfulness. So all we have is preaching points, and then that gets very opinion-based, because no matter what preacher you sit under, you're hearing their breakdown of the Holy Scripture. But if the Scripture's not in us, you really don't know if God's good or not, because you've never taken the time to investigate His goodness. Come on, help me. You got to investigate this. And when I say God is good and you say all the time, I'm not wanting you to be a parrot. I'm wanting you to know in the Bible that God has always been good even when it was unfair. God's always been good. Come on. For us, God had a plan to move his people from the yoke and the bondage of slavery where they felt like there was no future and no hope and to start a new thing. In Isaiah chapter 43, let's look at the scripture verse. I want you to see this. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the old things. Okay, can I just tell you, if you're over 45, we ain't talking about you. All right, all right, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about old concepts. We're talking about mindsets. We're talking about the way you make decisions on customs. Come on. The way that you navigate your thoughts. God is saying, remember the former things because I'm doing a new thing. Look, at, cons- Don't consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing something new. Can't you perceive it? Come on. I need to let someone know today that God's been doing this new thing in your life and you need to perceive it. There's a, all of a sudden there's a hunger. All of a sudden there's a thirst. All of a sudden you're, you're thinking about what God has for you and you need to be perceiving that God is strategically and intentionally doing something in your life and stop wondering about when it's going to happen but start watching it grow. Come on, help me. Look at this. I'm doing a new thing, and it's springing up right now. Don't you perceive it? I can make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Come on. I love God. God's like a booyah. God's like, a, like, you don't think there's a way, but I can make a way where there is no way. Here's what God is saying. I'm not submitted to your science. Science discovers me. It does not control me. I appreciate your 75 degrees. And I appreciate that you put something in the ground and said rivers don't grow in the desert. But God says, I can put a river in the desert. And so God loves to baffle and marvel people who say that can't ever happen. Come on, I wish I could have some marriages that were on their way to ending and all of a sudden p- p- your friend said, well, you know, well, you hit that seven year, then you hit the 10 year, you know what happens after that 15 year, it's all down here and you're probably not going to recover. And yet, What? My God puts a river in the desert. But people can study it, they can look at it. Come on, they can look at all the sand. But And here's what they'll say when the river pops up, they'll go, well, there was an undercurrent that we didn't really see and we didn't have the microscopic, scopic, God puts a river in the desert. That's all I'm telling you. And so wherever you're at right now, it's not over for you. If you're breathing, God has something for you, and you've got to move, face uncertainty, and live by faith. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? I'm praying. 
that what we are moving out of our life, that we never go back. You know, we spent four hours uh, getting all the trash and all this junk out of the building. And let me just tell you, there's some, some of y'all were there and y'all some workers. Come on, y'all give it up for our workers. Come on, look. Listen, we were doing P90 church style, you know what I'm saying? And I was watching people sweat. We were drinking bottled water. It was hype. I was getting hype as we're like just throwing stuff. Here's the thing. How bad would it be if we begin to cheer and be excited about all that we move back? And then in one week from now, I was like, we have a problem. Everything is back in. Come on, how discouraging would that be for you to spend the hours to sweat equity like we filled it up. You maybe even missed the dumpster and we had to go back and do it again. Come on, have you ever done that? Listen, and, and we did the job. We cleaned it out only to find that it was all back but even higher. What do you think God is doing when he begins to send people and personalities and God begins to work in your life and all of a sudden the things start getting cleaned up and then a moment of adversity or a moment of trigger, a moment of whatever and we go right back to filling our heart and our house with stuff that God's been trying to remove. See, here's the deal. God is wanting to do a new thing in your life. And I believe even in our church, God is putting in some new things in this house. I believe there's a new awareness of spiritual moments. I'm praying for hunger. And listen, I want to teach people how to pray. I don't want to play church. I want to pray. And can I just tell you, if you don't know how to pray, I'm not mad. Even the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Okay? And so a lot of people don't pray because they feel like they're going to do it wrong or they're not good at it. But can I tell you that every Tuesday night at 6.30, over the last year, we have started in semesters of life group, we are opening up our sanctuary and we are teaching people to come and pray. Teaching people to pray. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. We will, we will pay for master class. We will watch a YouTube. We will listen to a podcast. But I'm telling you, the secret sauce for a believer is learning how to pray. And if you can't learn how to pray, and so here's the deal. I'm going to just go ahead and say it this way, and then you can kind of work it out. If you feel like prayer is boring, that's because you don't pray. That's the bottom line. Because if you prayed, come on. Don't, let, don't, don't make me quote MC Hammer on y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like if you prayed, you would realize that me throwing all of my toxic thoughts and everything on the Lord is better than me throwing it on my wife or my husband or my kids or whatever because all of this has got to go somewhere and the Bible says cry out to me and the Bible says that if I begin to pray and I give him my yoke, he will give me his yoke. Come on, and it doesn't mean that my circumstance will get immediately better, but it does mean that I am more healed to deal with my circumstance so that I make the right decision. Come on, help me. And so I want to challenge you. The rest of your life, you're going to face adversity. The rest of your life, there are going to be people who overcommit and underdeliver. The rest of your life, you're going to deal with humanity. And I'm telling you as a believer, 
Learn to pray. Learn to pray. I pray that we go into a new level of obedience. Listen, with our giving, where we don't feel like giving means I'm tipping God. Help me. Well, if the sermon's good, I'm going to give the pastor $5. That was a good sermon, boy. Daniel, $5. And we act like God's up there going, (laughs) wow, a quarter. That's the biggest faith I've ever seen. The reality is when we structure ourselves in God's system and we submit to that, come on, then we are saying, God, what you can do with 90 is way more powerful than I can do with 100. Come on, listen. For us, Pharaoh was coming after the Israelites, and he thought, listen to this, I got them. They're trapped against the sea, and we're going to smoke these dudes. I mean, mean, not smoke them, but I could whip them or run them over or chariots or whatever. All right. But God knew they were never going back. Turn to Exodus 14 if you got your Bibles. Come on, listen. Listen, I believe that leadership is happening in every service. But if you want to know what we're about, the church is called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we don't want you to just like services, although that's wonderful. We really do want you to do that. But we want to see you grow into the gifts and the callings that God has for you. And we believe when the church does that well, come on, the kingdom will advance. All right, let's look at this. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved. Okay, now here's what I'm asking you to do, even online. Listen, don't, when I read to you, listen, don't make me be the elementary teacher that wah, 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 wah. You know, like, like I'm reading to you and you're like zoning out, listening to this. I'm, I'm a terrible reader, so it's, it's not lullaby. You know what I'm saying? It's fragmented. You know what I'm saying? I, I just run over commas. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm just saying like stay with me and really get into this, okay? Look at this. And the angel of God who was going before the host. All right. Could it be that God is going before you and you don't even know it? Listen to what I'm saying. Here are the children of Israel, and they're moving, and the angel of God is going before them. Okay? God is directing and moving, and he's, he, you may not see him, but the Bible says he goes before you. Then here's the deal. The, the, the Egyptians started running up on Israel, and the Bible says that the angel of God was in front of the host of Israel, the body, the group, and the, and, and the angel shifted. And became now the defense. See, God will either lead you or he will defend you. But God knows exactly where to be. Come on, listen to this. Come on, look at this. Look at it. And Israel moved and went behind them in the pillar of the cloud. And the pillar of the cloud moved before them and stood behind them. So, so the cloud, whoosh, whoosh, Okay. Coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel, just the two bodies, and there was the cloud and the darkness, and it was lit up at night without one coming near the other. In other words, uh, it was dark over there, and it was light over here. And, and then Moses stretched out his hand to the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea, uh, the ground of the sea was strong. Listen, I love that. Like, God is so intentional. Like, he's not going to just part the water, but he's going to make sure you have no mud. 
Listen, come on, that, that, that's not a first day employee. What, the, sir, the water parted? <laughs> like, you didn't think about the ground? Like, God's like, <laughs> good, I just got these slippers. You know what I'm saying? Like, like God's just, uh, even the ground has been thought of, the intentionality of this. Come on, put yourself in this story all night long. I mean, could you have slept that night? Come you're like, oh man, that's like Google alarm. <laughs> you're like, man, I've never slept that good. I would be up there going, oh, it's just winds blowing. It's going lower. It's lower. So I see the ground. I see the ground. I mean, it's kind of an amazing thing. Y'all are acting like it's amazing. You're like, we know that. Okay, cool. Sorry, y'all. All the sea partings that y'all have seen. All right. The waters were divided. The people of Israel, listen, listen, went in the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters being a wall of them on the right and the left. Come on, can you just imagine walking through that as whoosh, whoosh, and, and I'm going, I know some of y'all would have followed the system because you're system people and you've been like, listen, God did this for us. Let's try to expedite and let's get over it. I would have been in and out of the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I would have already gotten a spanking. You know what I'm saying? There's sharks inside the wall of water. <laughs> like it, it's just, it was an, it's an incredible moment that is happening. The Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen. They're charging. Great, the driest ground, the ground is dry. The wheels are really moving now. We're going to get them. And the Egyptian forces. Look at this. Look what it says, 24. And in the morning watch of the Lord, the pillar of fire and the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic. I don't know if you've ever been whooped, but I don't think you've ever been whooped by a cloud. I just want to talk about that for a second. Because in elementary school, we want to float on clouds. And we don't really understand, kids don't really understand that you'll just fall right through it. Because they watch Disney Channel, so they think they oh, it's like a cotton ball in the air. You know what I'm saying? But but it's not. And so you just just fall right through. Just fall right through it. Just okay. The cloud is fighting the army. Come on, it looks like a little little puff ball that's kicking your butt. You know what I'm saying? You're like, dang it, it's just, it's clouds just all over me. It was just like, in a cloud. It's like, it's like, like, we're really wrecking you with the cloud. And that's kind of funny. Because it's, it's like the puffness. Like, it's like, let me tell you about my puff dad. You know, I don't know. It's like, it's just funny. That was a really bad one. I know, I know. But you puff daddy, daddy God. Anyway, all right. Sorry, online. Don't turn off, please. It's, it's going to get better. All right. Okay, look at this. They clogged down the Egyptians, and the Egyptians said, Let us flee before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Wow. 
The Lord said to Moses, now stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horses. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course by the morning. Look at this. And as the Egyptians fled uh, into it, the Lord, all of the Egyptians were drowned. Look at this, in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Look at this, I love this verse. Not one of them remained. Can you just imagine being in that moment? You've grown up in slavery. You've grown up in bondage. Your taskmasters and the people who decided your schedule without very little control God has wiped away the enemy. Come on, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God doesn't want you to just leave where you're at. He wants to wipe away those harmful cycles. He wants to wipe away that anger. He wants to wipe away some things in your life. If you will let him. Come on, does this make sense? If you will let him. So we are unpacking three reasons why we never go back. Last week we talked about we have to dismiss the idea that it was better back when we started. It was better. And so that was the first part of scripture that we read. We're now in the second. The second thing, and this is the thought that I want to unpack for you guys in the remainder of our time, is that we've got to consider all that God has done for us to move forward. Consider all that God has done for us to look forward. God is in the process of delivering his people. But the reason they're having pushback. And the reason they're having concern. Listen. Is because they're in process. And we all hate process. We want to be there. Or we don't want to leave. But ain't nobody talked about I love process. The only time you love process is when you've seen it beneficial in your life and you have submitted to the idea that process works. It's so funny, our worldly standard, and we wonder why we are so confused. In elementary school, we give kids trophies for being on a team. Some people think that's just an incredibly great idea. It builds everybody's self-confidence. Everybody gets a trophy for being on the team. So here's what we say. We say your attendance in the team is worth a reward. So what we do is we perpetuate this notion that we get awards for trying. But then we flip the script at 20, and we no longer give awards for trying, and we wonder why our young culture has such a hard time with process, because now as a young adult, you don't get an award for attendance, you get an award for achievement. And so as a boss and as an employer, I'm waiting till 20 to teach you that there's a process, and we actually want you to produce something if you're going to be on this team. Well, what are you talking about? I've gotten all these trophies for showing up. Well, guess what? You ain't getting a paycheck for showing up, baby. You're going to have to produce something. And we're going to have to get this thing, hear what I'm saying? It's the philosophy that it's okay here, but if we take it all the way, it doesn't work here. Okay. Here's the thing. 
when we're in process, nobody likes it. Because that means that we're going to have to do more than we think we can do. We're going to have to step where we don't want to. And it is uncomfortable to move and go where we've never been. Come on, is this good? God is wanting his people to move. And so here God is delivering his people. And he's wanting to deliver old mentalities and do a new thing. I'm asking you to consider all that God has done to move you forward. So here's the first thing that I want you to consider as you're in process of deliverance. I want you to consider that God is never on the sidelines of the obedient. God is never on the sidelines for the obedient. God, God look, look at this verse, okay? Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. Look at this. It says, but the Lord is faithful. Everybody say faithful. Come on, everybody say faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Here is the idea. When you are submitted to the Lord and you are walking, listen, in obedience, then you've got to know that God is not on the sidelines. God's not the coach on the sidelines trying to tell you and yell at you, don't do that, don't do that. Ooh, bad block. Oh, don't do that. God's not over there yelling at you from the sidelines on how to play. The Bible tells us that he's in it with us. Think about this. He's in it with us. He wanted the Bible to be in us. He wanted prayer to be a conversation. He gave us Holy Spirit to fill us like he's in the game. Come on, help me. With us. I'm going to say something. And I'm not trying to make anybody mad at me. But since I normally do that, just roll with it. But have you ever been coached by a coach that is obvious they don't play anymore. Come on, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just saying like they're telling you how to hit and they learned how to hit in the seventh grade, but it doesn't look like they really know how to hit. It's always funny to me in when I, my, my kids play basketball and the referee that's calling the game has a hard time keeping up with the game. And so there are actually referees that I've seen that I'm like, well, you need some water. You need a timeout. Like, you, you need a tag up. <laughs> like, you, I go get my shirt. Like, I, I'll run a, a quarter. I don't think I can make the whole game either. I'm not judging you. But you're kind of getting paid to watch the game and the thing's happening down there. And you're like, <gasps> and I'm like, okay. Like, I just need you to know that God is not on the sidelines, uninvolved in your life, Trying to coach you from a distance like he's wanting to be in you, present, there, a help. Come on. He's never on the sidelines for the obedient. The second thought as we're talking about just making sure that we consider all the things that God has done for us. Is that God always has a move. Like. Can I just tell you, for those who play chess, God never gets in checkmate. Okay? Checkmate is, means that there mathematically is no way out and you've lost the game if you make a move. I'm telling you that God is never in a situation 
where he has been checkmated and the enemy is like, yo, I got you now. Because the enemy can only base it on the rules of the game which God established, but God knows how to part the sea and you know nothing about that. Come on. The enemy has to play toward the rules and God's the creator, maker of heaven and earth. He took dust and made man. I'm just, how can you compete with that? God always has a move. He always has a move for us. Thinking about our building thinking about what God has blessed us with and all that God has done, and yet dealing with the the miracle of what God has done, but yet realizing that there is a substantial amount that we still have to raise over the next eight, nine months in order to do what God has called us to do. And and, and realizing that, okay, uh, how is our body going to raise or lower, but but we we need $450,000 to be able to finish what we're doing. And I realize already, so I'm just going to talk to, to the issue because that's what I do. I realize that there are some people that gave to a church and the church mishandled and misappropriated finances. And so then it's, you're very reluctant to give because you're like, yo, what are we doing with this? Okay? I want you to know that we are working really hard to build your confidence in what is happening with the finances here at the church. But let me say this. I've heard people say, oh, they're in a building campaign. I'll see you when it's done. And and let me just say this to you. Whenever God wants to move his people somewhere, there will always be challenge. There is a difference between a coach and a critic. A critic will tell you you're not enough, you will never make it, and you will never do it. And they only point out your weaknesses. A coach will say, yo, come on, can we just be honest? Your layup stinks, and you need to do it again. Because there's talent and ability in you. And we're going to do it again and again and again. And you're crying because you're hurt, you're tired, your legs are sore. You don't want to do it again, but we're fixing to do it again because you can't win in this league if you don't have a left hand and you're going to be able to develop your left hand or you're probably not going to play. Do not find a church. If this is not yours, that's fine. But do not find a place where you can go and hear every sermon and there is no challenge. On your life. You hear what I'm saying? Because based on our triggers and our personalities and what has happened in our past, when we begin to talk about building and campaigns and more, see, God is moving us. But when people say, Oh, I I, I don't, I would never give to that, I'm not mad about that. Like, I'm sad for you. Like, I. Wednesday, we went down to Gateway and met with one of their pastors there. And Gateway, Robert Morris, and he said one of the things that makes Robert Morris cry the most is people think that giving is to help the church. When most people's breakthrough won't happen until they start giving. 
you hear what I'm saying? Because the truth of the matter is, everybody wants a better church, but they don't want to help it get better. And we believe that God is moving us into more space where there will be more people, where there will be more ministry, and it's never been about a building. If you come by here, every day of the week, there are cars here all the time. You know why? Because we're creating ministers. You know why? Because there's a call of God on your life. There's a call of God on your life. There's a call of God on your life right now, and we don't know who the next minister is. We don't know who the next pastor is. We don't know who the next missionary is, and here's the deal. In my heart, I don't want to send just one missionary to Belize. I want to send 10. I want to send, because that makes sense, and so here's the deal. When we give, we turn money into ministry and so there is no going to the promised land unless you move now you have to do it with uh, not under compulsion and you have to do it with a cheerful heart and you have to pray about what you're going to do does that make sense but when that pressure comes it's to register what's important to you and God is saying you can't go here Unless we give up here. Come on, does this make sense? For us, in 2015, in 2015, uh, we had been praying about launching the church. We lived in Hot Springs. And we were like, okay, it's time. We had gone through our training, and we were going to move. And so we called up here to one of the rental companies. We gave our first information, and we had an agreement. They said, if you come early on Friday... We should be able to get all your paperwork finished, and we'll be able to take your deposit, and then by Saturday, you'll be able to move in. So we were like, cool. We packed up the whole house. We got everything in. We told all of our goodbyes. We told everybody, we love you, man. Oh, yeah, it's been great. Crying, you know, snot, just hugging it out. And we were new thing, baby, new thing. Come on. Never going back, new thing. God has good thing. Driving the truck up. You know, we were singing. Come on, the wheels on the truck. We didn't have a bus, but we had the truck. And so we were singing new thing. I went old school DC talk. Come on, you, you know, who's doing it? You know, and I was like, you know, I was like new thing. And we were excited, driving. Got up here, met with the company. And they, we filled out all the rest of the paperwork. And... They were like, uh, oh, I see that you have your first three months of rent. And I'm like, yeah. And, oh I, oh, I see you have some money for living expense. And we're like, yeah. And our house wouldn't close for about four weeks. So we were going to have a whole another income from the selling of the house. And so they said, well, great. Let's just run your credit. We ran our credit. And, they, and then she goes, oh. And I was like, oh. And she was like, oh. And I was like. What? And she was like, you don't have enough credit. And I was like, I, I know, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> and she was like, no, no, you, you, you don't have enough credit. You don't, you don't have enough, let, let's look over here, W-2s. And we looked at it, and she, we, you don't make enough to rent this house. And I was like, but I have enough to rent this house. Because I do the envelope system, girl, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and she's like, that's great, but we don't know how you got that money. And so you could be a drug dealer. And I was like, <laughs> But I'm not. Okay. Uh, and, and she's like, we have to trace your money. And so it doesn't matter that you have enough. We need to see that you make enough. And I said, well, I'm about to sell my house. And I'm going to tell you something. I bought it low. I sold it high. I don't have the money. And she said, we've heard that before. And I was like, what are you saying? 
She was like, I'm saying you don't have a place. And I was like, like it got real. I have all my stuff packed in the truck like there is nowhere else to go. And the kids, we were singing the whole time. And then I walked back up. Daddy, where are we living? In the car. <laughs> like we have nothing. It's hard to sell it. We have to go get a storage unit. We load everything into the storage unit. And we have to go back to Hot Springs. Come on. And I'm like... You never go back, and we're going back. And the kids are like, can we sing this song? Shut up. There's no singing. Don't even breathe hard. We didn't talk all the way home. Come on. There, there was no joy. We were... I'm like, God, why have you forsaken me? You called me to do this. And then look, I got all my family packed. My mother-in-law was with me. Come on, men, you got your mother-in-law with you, and you tell her, I got your girl, I got her forever, and we're going back. We actually have no house at school. What are you doing? You want to rent a hotel? <laughs> we're headed back, and I am so frustrated. I'm, I'm like, God, you told me this. You said we were going to do a new thing. I was never going back. And I'm going back, and I just told everybody, we ain't leaving the house for four weeks because I'm not doing a second goodbye with everybody because we did the goodbye. And it was like, and you know how it is. It's like you say goodbye, and then people are like, how do you And I was like, oh, yeah, I was just, we're back. Hey, wanted to see some people. <laughs> Sold the house. But here's, here, here's, here's the point. I want you to make sure you get this. God always has a move. Listen to what I'm saying. And so we sold the house. We met with someone uh, here in northwest Arkansas. We got a house that was much bigger than the one we were going to rent. We got to pay a year rent in advance, and we got it cheaper than the house we were going to rent. And I'm telling you what looked like frustration, and it's not going to work. God had a move. Come on, somebody. Like, God had a move. And I don't know if you think, I don't know what God's going to do, and I don't know how it could be better from this moment, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I need you to hear me say that God is never in checkmate, and he has a move for you that you don't see. Come on. Last thing is we're, just, we're talking about considering all that God has done for you to move forward. And, and here's my last thought on this is that God has provided more than you're focusing on. There is, in the Old Testament, God commanded and demanded that his people would write down what he did. In fact, they would chisel it in stone so when their kids were playing around it, they would walk by and go, what is that, Daddy? Oh, that's when, and it would unlock a story. Here's what I'm telling you. We forget what God has done because we have problems that we're facing. We have uncertainty that we're facing. We have frustrations that we're facing. But sometimes we need to look back and look at what God has done. And when we come in here and praise, we're not praising because we have problems. We're praising because he's been faithful. Come on, somebody. We're, we're, we're not praising. There's things that I don't know, and, and it's really hard right now. And, and here's the thing that I want you guys to know. I'm not saying that there will never be hard moments. 
I'm not saying that you won't face pain or trauma and you won't cry a bucket of tears. But I am telling you that God doesn't leave his children forsaken. The truth is Israel were slaves. They were treated harshly. Their children were brutally murdered. Okay? And they were skeptical about God moving. They did not believe that they knew God had, but they weren't sure that God would. And they did not believe that God was moving on their behalf. They felt like God had left them. But the whole time, and here's the thing that we have to understand about pain and hurt. They entered Egypt as a family and they left as a nation. Hear what I'm saying? They left. If you go back and read Joseph, the story of Joseph is Joseph was in second of command to Pharaoh and he moved his dad's family, come on, into Egypt and they came in as a family and they left with over a million people that started the nation of Israel in the promised land. Come on, does that make sense? Here's the deal. You can't take the land if you don't have enough people. What you feel right now as oppression may be the very thing that God's building you and working on you and preparing you because he knows what's before you. And if you will not give up and not quit, you may come out of this moment more than you were when you were in it. Come on. And I need to say this so that we understand. Every time in every, every country... When there has been persecution, there's been an underground church and the church has grown. It is only when the church has no persecution that we windle. Here's what I'm saying to you. Look at this. When the pressure comes, God starts doing this. Because the enemy can only play by his rules. But God begins to create and do something. And so here's what I want to say. Listen, listen, listen. No one is going to steal from God's children where the gates of hell cannot win against. We're going to grow in places. Listen to me. I don't care what color you are, white, black, Indian, Asian. Listen, what I'm telling you is when people are oppressed, God will magnify This is what the Bible teaches us because God doesn't ever want a man or a woman or a system to get the glory because you cannot kill what I birthed. You cannot stop it. You cannot change it. You can try to hurt it. A lot of children in Israel died. I'm not saying there wasn't a lot of injustice, but I'm telling you when God puts an order, it will thrive and it will work and God will. Come on, did you hear me say? Because God's not going to be, God doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. Here's the thing, 10 plagues, darkness, cloud by day, fire by night, wind so mighty that it divided the waters, God even dried the ground, and today you may be in a really hard season, but I'm asking you to take inventory of the story of your life and to remember God's faithfulness, because I promise if you zoom back, you will see the hand of God in your life. You will see the hand of God in your life. Can I have anybody testify on that? Come on, come on, come on. Anybody testify on that? Come on, online. Do you know what I'm talking about? Listen, Ben, go ahead and come up.
We've got to remind ourselves that God is using people that you aren't even thinking about. No, they've been praying for the deliverer forever, but nobody was thinking about Moses. This dude was a scaredy cat runner that murdered someone. Nobody was thinking about Moses. God will use circumstances that are unjust, unfair, and extremely painful. God will use pain. God doesn't cause it. James 1, 17 says this. Come on, look at this verse. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variation or shadow or change. In other words, there is one that still kills and destroys, and there's others that come to give life and life more abundantly. But God will use your pain. Listen, it's by pain when we watch the news and see starving kids or, or broken people or single moms or whatever that our compassion begins to turn and we have tears and we cry for people. And it's out of that that God births the flame of missionaries. Pain. It's real. It's so funny. I was watching everybody uh, clean yesterday, picking up stuff. Everybody over, under 16 was like, and everybody over 45 was like, lift with your knees. We were getting going down, lifting up. Why? Because pain is an indicator that something is going on. And I need you to know this, that, that maybe you need to pray away the pain, but maybe the pain is there to change the course of your life. So that you can come into miracles, so you can come into the mighty, so you can come into the moment. Do you hear what I'm saying? For us, as we end today, consider all that God has done for you. Consider all that God has done for you. Come on, we all sing that real quick. Come on, just just come on in and sing that real quick. This is the house of miracles. Come on, just bow your head right here where we're. Come on, online. Come on, online. Come on, just, just, come on, stay in this moment with us. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. God will use supernatural moments. He will. Come on, supernatural moments. Every Tuesday night at 6.30, we're praying in here. Because we know that there are, like, you just need supernatural moments. They're unscripted. The river's in the desert. Uh, and, and I'm going to just tell you, for where we're going, we've got to have a church that knows how to pray. Because here's the deal. No one's available enough to hear every one of your problems. You've got to know how to pray. And so today, all over this room, come on, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, God want, has a plan of deliverance. He has a plan of protection. Will you surrender your life to Jesus and allow him to start the deliverance in you? Come on, if that's you and you would say, okay, I'm opening my heart to Jesus. I'm ready to make a move. I'm ready to make him Lord of my life. If that's you on the count of three, would you raise your hand right where you're at? One, two, three. Come on, if that's you. Come on, I see you. It's good. Come on, just put your hands down real quick. 
And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, deliver me. Deliver me from my sins. Deliver me from a wrong worldview. Transform my mind. I make you the Lord and Savior of my heart. Begin to change everything and start a new thing. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Here's the last thing that we're going to do. Listen to this just real quick. In a second, we're going to open our altars. And if you're sitting here and, I mean, you're going through a hard season. Please hear me. You need people to stand in the gap with you in prayer. And so we're going to do just a couple announcements. And then we're going to open these altars up. And we're going to do like 30 or 40 seconds of worship before we end. And I'm asking you, if you came in with heavy hands, would you just lift them up when we sing this song? Would you just take a moment? Would you just pour out on the Lord? I don't know what He's going to do. And I wish that that hadn't happened for you. But I am telling you that He knows how to take mourning and eventually make it gladness. And I'm not telling you it'll happen in a day or a year, but I'm telling you that God knows how to move us from hurt and bondage and oppression to freedom. Come on, in Jesus' name. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.